0: The first Bible reading is John, chapter 15, verses 9 to 16. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love just as I have kept the Father's commandments and remain in his love. I've told you this so that your joy, my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his father's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I have learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is the word of the Lord. Speak to God. The, second
1: the, second the second reading The second reading is from Acts 10, verse 9 is page 1104. About noon the following day, as they were approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of this vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for, why have you come? The men replied, we've come from Cornelius the Centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to have you come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. The next day Peter started out with them and some of the brothers from Joppa went along. The following day he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said, I'm only a man myself. Talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you're well aware that it's against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit him, but God has shown me that I should not call any man pure, impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered four days ago. I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said Cornelius God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor Send to Joppa for Simon who's called Peter. He's a guest in the house of Simon the Tanner who lives by the sea So I sent for you immediately and it was good of you to come now We're all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. This is the word of the Lord.
2: I want to say a, a special thank you to Brian. Um, Brian met me this morning when I was in a state of great anxiety and uh, f- uh, completely flustered trying to find a parking place and not knowing the local custom, the local rules and regulations, I had no idea where I was allowed to park or not allowed to park um, and uh, was uh, fearful uh, as I approached this church. And um, Hilary jumped out and she said, I'll go and find somebody. And Brian, God bless you, came and jumped into the car next to me and said, right, I'll show you where to park. And so I want to say, Brian, thank you. You know, because we... It, it was a parable, actually, of God's love for us. That when we when we are flustered, when we're in a place of not knowing, it's all very well to have instructions about... well go this way and turn left and then where you don't see a double yellow line you can park there but beware of this sign and that sign, and the rest of it it's so much nicer to have somebody jump in and say i'll show you exactly where and so i want to thank you for that i also want to thank you for your prayer um, you prayed that the preacher would have passion thank you <laughs> my passion is to see the church engaged in mission to see the church um, responding to the, the love that God has poured into our hearts and carrying that into the, the places where he sends us, the places where, <clears throat> pardon where we live, where we work, where we uh, spend our leisure time. And uh, two, two great missiologists um, who've written a lot uh, around the whole church and mission, Al- Hirsch and Frost, um, coined this phrase. They said, The church does not have a mission. The God of mission has a church. The church doesn't have a mission. The God of mission has a church. And if we are to be caught up in the life of God, we will be caught up in mission. Because God is mission. God is sent. And so maybe, Claudia, we can add another line to what we sang earlier. Jesus sent me deep Deep, deep down in my heart. Jesus sends us because because God is ascending God. It's an expression of the love of God. What I'd like to do um, this morning is to to take four statements that Peter makes in that reading from Acts chapter 10, which was read so beautifully and uh, wonderfully. Take four statements that, that Peter makes and allow them to inform us in terms of our understanding of mission and, and how, what attitude, what heart attitude we have as we respond to this call to be sent deep, deep, deep down in our hearts. So if you have Bibles uh, with you or your phones, um, turn them on and let's get to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10 makes a, is a significant move in, in the life of the church. A very significant um, moment happens when, for the first time, the church breaks out of being purely a Jewish sect to becoming um, multinational, including Gentiles within the, the, the faith uh, following Jesus Messiah. For the first time, they were breaking out of their their cultural ghetto, as it were. And they were mixing with Gentiles. They were going to, believe it or not, share the kiss of peace with Gentiles. They were going to have Gentiles come into their homes and, and share a meal with them. This was unthinkable. This was way, way out of limits. And and this is what is recorded for us here in Acts chapter 10. An amazing transition that takes place in the life of the church. And it's a a vital passage for us to to look at and to study because it it is pointing to the, the radical change that we need to be willing to step into if we're going to be engaged in God's mission. And so the first statement that I want um, to draw your attention to is from Acts chapter 10, verse 26, where Peter says, I am only a human being myself. I'm only a human being myself. And the heart attitude that we need to have is get a true perspective on yourself. Get a true perspective on yourself. One of the things that we, we, we all battle with um, as we move into a new ministry, Esther, or as we, uh, you know, and it, it was wonderful. I'm delighted that you're going to Holy Trinity because uh, we have a, a good link personally with Holy Trinity. Paul Kensington, who's the, the rector retiring from there, was at college with me when I studied in Nottingham. So we go back a long way. Um, but when we move into a new ministry, there's always this, this sin that rises up of pride. How will this make me look? Will it polish my CV a bit? Um, will, will I reflect well if I get this appointment? Will I do well? Will I be a success? Peter enters the house of Cornelius, and um, the last thing that we actually would want ever to happen happens. Uh, Cornelius falls down before him in reverence now we would never want that to happen but actually be quite nice if it did and we could say oh dear dear chap do get up you know really it's so nice of you to go out of your way and roll out the red copper but i'm only a human being i'm only a human being myself i was um struck by the the fact that um, in the the Church of England um, we have these elaborate titles that are given to all sorts of people as you go up the hierarchy you know you you start as the reverend and then if you become a dean you become um, the the very reverend and if you become a bishop you become the right reverend and if you become an archbishop you're the most reverend Um, And uh, a friend of mine who's a bit of a wag said, you know that the word revere and awe are very close and the superlative of awe is awful. So we could actually just say the awful um, or the very awful or the the most awful or just the downright horrible. What titles? do we enjoy, whether they are official titles, or whether they are um, positional titles, or kudos that's given to us because we step into God's mission in some way. No place for that, no place for that. I recall when, uh, when I was studying at St. John's Nottingham, we had um, a visit from the then Archbishop uh, of Canterbury, um, Donald Coggan. And, uh, and he arrived and uh, was welcomed with great um, acclaim by our uh, principal at the time. And he was just really going completely over the top in terms of, you know, uh, the, the accolades that he was giving and the, the wonderful welcome and how, what an honor it was to have him there. And I remember after all of this, Donald Coggins stood up and he said, after an introduction like that, I always say two prayers one for the person who's just introduced me that he may be forgiven for all the lies he's just told and the second one for myself because I enjoyed it so much no matter what ministry we are called into as we seek to be pioneering stepping into a new place there's going to be the temptation of the sin of pride i'm just a human being like you i'm not special i'm just like you that was the the attitude that peter had as he went into the home of cornelius here's statement number 2 that peter makes he says god has shown me not to call anyone impure or unclean the heart attitude here is get a true perspective of others get a true perspective of others God does not make rubbish God had to shake out of Peter centuries of ingrained prejudice and he did it through this um, repeated vision of the animals coming down um, Peter having a sort of a pre-lunch nap up on the roof where he would be catching the breeze um, and a bit of cool, th- uh, smells food being prepared down below. And, and he, he, he has his little pre-lunch nap. And, and as he's doing that, he has this vision of these unclean animals and the, the, the word of the angel saying, get up, Peter, kill and eat. And three times this happens. And, and then eventually it breaks through all that prejudice, all his cultural upbringing, which had to be broken down so that he is able to go into Cornelius's home and say, God has shown me not to call anyone impure and unclean. God had to do preparatory work in Peter, so that he was in a position to bring the gospel to Cornelius and those who he had gathered in his home. And we are just the same. God has got to break prejudice down within us if we are going to be able to be used by God to reach people who we would maybe regard with some suspicion as being being them, being different, being maybe a bit smelly, maybe a bit old, a bit young, a bit radical. The thing about prejudice is that we all have it. We all prejudge. We look at someone and we see their size, we see their age, we see their stature we look at their clothes we look at their skin color we look at their gender and we make all sorts of assumptions we do that all of us god had to had to break this down in peter before he could be used in in our parish um we have a ministry that's called word on the street it's a ministry to women in prostitution just about 100 meters up the road from, from one of our churches is the main road in Kenilworth, and that's where women wait on the street over the weekends and, and during the evenings to pick up clients. And a, a faithful group from the church go out and walk the streets and befriend these, these young women and, uh, and try to to help them. And to embark upon a ministry like that, you have to have a heart attitude that says, God doesn't make rubbish. God doesn't make rubbish. These women are not rubbish. They're not untouchable. They are just like us in need of God's grace and God's love and rescue and restoration. If God is going to to, to use us in, in ministry, in mission to, to break into new areas, we've, we have got to allow the Holy Spirit to break down those areas of prejudice in our lives. God doesn't make rubbish. God has shown me not to call anyone unclean or impure. Those words needed to be on Peter's lips, but more importantly, they needed to come from his heart. That's statement number two. Statement number three, Peter says, when i was sent for i came when i was sent for i came the heart attitude there is the attitude of obedience peter says i was sent for and i came without raising any objections i think that's quite key without raising any objections of course there were there could have been many reasons why Peter could have raised objections of not going to Cornelius's house, many. He could have rolled him out and sort of said, wrong time, wrong place, you know, this is a bad strategy, you know, this is going to upset the authorities, you know, the bishop won't like it, the church council won't like it, the neighbors won't like it, Uh, we haven't got the money, all those sorts of, you know, objections could be raised. And uh, Peter says, when I was called for, I came." I think it might sound like a bit of a line out of a, you know, a thriller, but actually God works on the need to know basis. He just needs our obedience. We don't have to get the whole picture. We don't have to know what the end is going to be like. We don't, know how it, we don't have to know how it's all going to pan out in the end. All we need to do is to be obedient when he calls. And our tendency, I know certainly my tendency, is to to obey when I agree. Yes, I think that's a good idea, um, so I will obey. Or to obey conditionally. Okay, I'll I'll do it, um, we'll test it, but if something better comes along, you'll have to excuse me. Or to obey as long as we can alter the instructions slightly and say, yes, I'll do it, but not today. When I was sent for, I came without raising any objections. Those were Peter's words. And, and at the heart of obedience is love. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. And our, our passage from John just speaks again and again about this, this huge love of God. If you love me, you will obey my commands. It's, it's an act of love. It's not, it's not dogged obedience. You know, yes, sir. You know, as that we in the military? Not at all. We act out of love. God has called. God has sent. And so I came without raising any objections. It's the love of God shed forth in our heart that is there. And, and so I ask the question, Well, what, what act of obedience is God setting before you? What's the one thing that he's, he's speaking to you about that you need to do, and you know you need to do it? And most often, our responses are, are one of a number of things. Um, it's make a call take a journey, send an email, buy something, or give some money. It's usually one of those things. That's the first step. We don't know what's going to follow. But um, maybe it's book a trip. Maybe it's make a phone call. Maybe it's send an email. You know, maybe it's you know, make a purchase or give a gift. God has, God has told you to do something, and you haven't got the whole picture. You've just got the first bit. Go for it. Go for it. Because of your love for God, because you want to obey what He's told you to do, take the first step and see what happens. Peter had no idea that he was making church history and turning the whole mission of the church completely on its head. He had no idea. All he was doing was going to go and have a meal with somebody. And this is what followed. So that's statement number three. When I was sent for, I came without raising any objections. And here's the last one, statement number four. He says in Acts chapter 10, verse 29, May I ask why you sent for me? May I ask why you sent for me? And the heart attitude is I have come to serve. I've come to serve. To to be an agent of God's mission, we have to come with a heart attitude that I have come to listen. I have come to see what God is already doing in this place and to engage with you. Of course, Peter understood that he had been sent by God. That was clear. But when he came to Cornelius, his heart attitude was, why have you sent for me? I've come to listen. And our, our tendency is, is so often when we, when we step into a new place of mission or ministry that uh, we have our own ideas about what's going to happen and how it's going to all work out. And, and that's right and appropriate. We need to be thinking into the spaces that we're going. But we also need to be going with a heart attitude that says, I've come to listen. And actually, listening is proclaiming the kingdom of God. Listening to people and, and absorbing what they are grappling with is proclaiming the kingdom of God. And so, prayer walking around the area, engaging with people with an attitude of curiosity, I was reading a a book uh, just a couple of weeks ago on coaching and um, uh, the the author had uh, intriguing titles to his chapters and the the one was get curious, get curious. Um, If we go with an attitude of curiosity it means I'm suspending judgment for the moment, I'm just curious about how this works, what happens here? You know how how does this community operate? What do people do? I'm curious. I just want to find out. The the this another title in this book was "Go to the movies, go and watch." You know, you know Jason Bourne or John James Bond are going to win at the end. It's just a matter of how do they do it. So go to go to the movies and say, Lord, I know you're going to win at the end. Um, I'm just curious to see how it's all going to work out. And so we go with an attitude that says, I've come to listen. I've come to, to see what's happening. I recall um, a lecturer at Stellenbosch University in the uh, theology faculty, Frederick Marer, who, who lectures in missiology, did an exercise with his um, students who were doing their master's degrees in missiology. So these are all quite experienced men and women who've, who've got um, undergraduate and honors degrees in theology and mission, and um, some years of experience were coming back to do a master's course. And he said to them, I want you to write down what your assumptions are about first year students on this campus. And they wrote down their assumptions. What did they, what did they think about the typical first year student on Stellenbosch University campus? And and as I say, these are experienced people. These are not, you know, outsiders. They've probably been there themselves a number of years ago. They've had experience in mission. They wrote down their assumptions. Then he said, right, here's a questionnaire. Go out and speak to some first-year students and test your assumptions. Do you know what it showed? 75% of their assumptions were wrong. 75% 75% of their assumptions were wrong. Isn't that quite scary? We, we need to be going with a heart attitude that says, I've come to listen, and I'm not going to prejudge you. I'm coming with curiosity. I'm coming to see what God is up to here. So, friends, i offer you those four statements from Peter, that are on his lips but more importantly in his heart as as he steps into this exciting uh, development within the life of the church i'm only a human being myself get a true perspective of yourself god has shown me not to call anyone impure or unclean god doesn't make rubbish get a true perspective on other people when i was sent for i came without raising any objections god requires of us an obedient heart we don't have the full picture he just wants our obedience in the next step and then may i ask why you sent for me the heart attitude of i've come to serve I've come to listen. Let's bow our heads as we pray. Jesus, you send us deep, deep, deep out, deep down in our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would take these words that have been spoken, and that what that what has been of you would remain and take root and bear fruit in our lives what has not been of you lord let it fall let it fall to the ground and not be a distraction but i just pray for my my brothers and sisters in christ here at st swithens with gratitude and thanks for the work that you are doing in them And I pray that you would encourage each of us as we seek to be those who engage with you in your mission to your world. Hear us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: As a response to Duncan's message, I'd like us to stand and we're gonna sing together. Um, It's a simple refrain in a chorus, you are the vine, we are the branches, but the chorus echoes our call to go, to, to live and to serve God. Let's stand and sing, you are the vine, we are the branches.